I'm Randy Rohde, and I'm fascinated with entrepreneurs and small business owners. Plus, I love baseball. Every show, I sit down with a small business owner, and we discuss their running the bases of entrepreneurship. We throw the ball around on strategy, management, execution, and innovation. Plus, a little fun baseball talk. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Settle in, grab your Cracker Jacks, and you know what they say. Play ball! Okay, hey, it's a great day for a ball game. This is Randy Rohde with Running the Bases with Small Businesses, and uh, welcome to the show. Hey, very excited about today's guest because it's a little different than what we've had in the past. This guy is a true creative. He takes our small business genre into a new space for the podcast. So while he does run a traditional digital media agency, his passion lies with his company, Wild One Films. And he's made five feature films, a crime series, dozens of short films, and he has a novel coming out at the end of the year. And his works have been shown on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, just to name a few. And his IMDB page lists him with 26 producing credits, 27 editing credits, 25 writing, 19 acting, 17 cinematography credits. He has dreams of opening his own studio someday. This guy is busy. So please welcome to the show, all the way from Scotland, David Wild from Wild One Films. All right, David. Hi, Randy. Thanks very much for having me on your show and for making me sound so That sounds very grand. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you got all kinds of stuff out there. I can hardly wait actually to talk about some of the projects you have been involved in. However, I do want to talk to you. Let's let's go back maybe to some early years. So you do all of this stuff with films and and I mean you're a really a creative guy and you you do acting. I've seen some of your stuff actually. You're not too bad. Uh you know, not too bad, right? Yeah. Thanks, thanks a lot. <laughs> Did you grow up in an arts loving family? I mean, is this in the genes? Is this in the family DNA? No, the total opposite, absolutely not. Um, in Scotland here, when I was a child, my father, the only sort of influence with movies and stuff, my father used to take me to the cinema to see movies like in the 70s, like Star Wars and Superman. And at that time, it was all the disaster movies, you know, the um, airport in 1976 and the Tower in Inferno and the earthquake. Oh, yeah. I thought the world was coming to an end, you know. <laughs> so my father probably took me to a lot of movies, but I never actually thought it was such a, a distant world that I thought, oh, I want to do that one day. That just wasn't in my head. But there must have been some seed planted there. Um, and as the years went on, you know, and technology gets good and potentially doable in movies, then that became more. I never started off in films at all. I was acting and I went to the local community centre mm. um, because I heard there was going to be girls there. It wasn't <laughs> to do with acting. You know, and I thought maybe I can meet some girls. And I went there and there was no good looking women. So I'll get into the acting, you know. <laughs> that is so funny. So, there, there are instances in my life where I have been motivated by the same factor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's an honest motivation rather than saying I want to be the next Robert De Niro. Um, I think you, you come to it from the basic bottom and then you go, and then you kind of fall in love with the process or something. Right. You go, I'll make getting this. You know, you don't, 
you don't have any aspirations to make it and be a big star. It's just like you kind of fall into the process and start from the basics, which I think is a good way, you know? Yeah, yeah. So when you started, in, how old were you when you started doing the acting? So you must have been a little older because you knew about girls. So Yeah, well, yeah, I just turned 19, 20. Okay. Um, I hadn't really got any acting. I just dabbled in it. I went right. to a sort of summer course. Yeah. And actually, I remember that Jared Butler was there. You know, okay. He was in that summer course, uh, but I drifted. I went to London and I, I got into a drama school, but I couldn't afford to get in. So I kind of drifted and partied in London. And it really wasn't until my my thirties, my early thirties, that I really get more serious about it. You know, very fun. so. I, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What? How did your family respond when you said, "Hey, I'm going to get into acting"? Um, my family weren't too bad about it. When you're in Scotland and Glasgow, um, it's not the sort of thing that you want to broadcast from the rooftops, you know. Back in those days, today, yeah, because there's so many action movies and yeah. it's like macho. And but if you want to say you want to get any acting in the early days, it's the sort of thing you kept to yourself. Do you know what I mean? Because it was seen as kind of men dressed in tights in the theatre and shit like that, you know. And um, you know, it's cooler today, you know. But back then, it wasn't, you know. And nobody understood your accent in the UK. If you came from Scotland, you were totally, you know, um, if you want the Queen's English, you know, then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, unless you were Sean Connery, Sean yeah, Connery, you know. Right, right. Yeah, he's got a great, yeah, he's, he did well yeah. for Scotland, right, to get in Wales. Is, well, is yeah, he because he Wales, doesn't have any accents. Is he, from? is he Scotland or Wales? Where is he from? Uh, people used to say sean connery they thought he was polish they thought he was russian they thought he was wales they thought he's scottish comes from he's edinburgh scottish. you know oh he does edinburgh. you know i didn't know that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so uh but uh yeah it's only you know so that's how i really started was just a, as a sort of slow process you know kind of falling into it you know all right that's incredible you know? that's so funny you talk about the scottish accent so before we hit the record button David and I have a mutual friend named Craig Campbell, and I was telling David that, yeah, it, it took me about six months to understand Craig's Scottish accent, because <laughs> it's quite heavy. And that's, that's the only reason I agreed to come on, and that's because I thought Randy's already had a dose of Craig for the last, you know, so <laughs> he, he might understand my accent, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Craig has been on the show, so folks, you can go. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. a year or two and find Craig's show. Yeah. So we kind of move forward through your acting career and you kind of put out your first film, I guess, and had some early success around year 2000 or so called yeah. Pasty Face. I mean, I started, Is that right? I started to get serious about acting about three years before that, okay. uh, but I get so frustrated because I would go to a film set or on a shoot and you know, if you've got a few lines to say, doesn't matter. You've always got to sit there for about 12 hours or 14 hours before you get to say your words, you mm. know. And a lot of the times I used to get cast as killers and maniacs. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm coming on the set and I'm getting ready to kill somebody and I'm all wound up and I want to go and I want to race and I want to act. And you're telling you, it's like 15 hours later, your scene's ready. And by that time, you're already burnt out, you know. and. <laughs> And again, you'd wait for calls to get acting jobs because back in those days, there was no internet. So you went for an agent to call you and you got for a commercial where you, you know, like the movie Tootsie with Dustin Hoffman, you got up for a commercial and you're going to play a carrot or something. And then, you know, it's no, it's not really what you sign up for. You want to play the, the De Niro roles and you don't want to play, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's an actor's sort of life. And I got kind of frustrated with it. 
you know, I didn't want to wait for a, a phone call. So what I would do, I started to write screenplays, you know, I would start to write scripts and that took me quite a few years, wrote maybe 50 scripts and I threw them in the bin and then I started to send them away to the BBC and stuff to get feedback. Cut a long story short, around that period, there was movies like Guy the the Guy Ritchie movie, um, Lock, Stock, Get Made, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. So they were looking for sort of comedy movies and stuff. Um, And I tried, I started a promo trailer. Um, I went to Las Vegas, I went to LA, took a small crew and I shot a trailer to present me a business plan to try and raise 350000 um, which took me about a year and a half, and I managed to raise the money to make a movie. And that was how the first movie really started, you know, which was the wrong move, really, mm. you know, for various reasons. Hmm. Interesting. So what I am curious about, so the business of filmmaking, right? So we'll tie yeah. it back into business. But yeah, uh, and just like any business, got to have some, some capital behind you, right? yeah, you, yeah. Whether you, it doesn't matter what business you're in, it, it's going to take some money, some capital yeah. behind you to get things kind of up and running. In film, I would imagine, you know, you said you needed three hundred and fifty thousand to do your film. Some of these films today are millions, right? The budgets yeah, yeah, that they're yeah, working yeah. with these things. But so, do you need the money? All of that way up front before you start or can like some of that kind of dribble in as your as the project progresses uh, how, how does that all for you no you don't need any money to start really but what you do need is a sort of plan you still need it you still have to treat it like a business you still need a, a business plan a treatment mm. i needed a business plan because i had to get some small investors around like ten thousand pounds you know there was no internet back then. There was no Kickstarters. Right. So I managed to get friends and family and show them a plan. And sh- I took photographs, of the cast and the crew and the vision for it. And I managed to raise £10,000 so I could go and make a trailer in America so that somebody could see, well, have you ever made a film before? And I went, no. So I had to make a promo trailer. So I right. went and made that. Then I took that promo trailer to the Cannes Film Festival. I took it to Los Angeles. I right. took it to the... Soho in London, where other film companies are. So it was a package. So it was a plan. It was a treatment. It was a trailer. It was the poster. It was photographs of the cast. And then you use that to pitch the movie. And people like that because it shows that you've done some homework in it. You haven't. Many times I would go in a taxi and a taxi driver will say, oh, I've got an idea for a movie. Nobody gives a shit about an idea. <laughs> you know, you've got to put some action in here. You've got to put some investment in here. You know what I mean? And some time in here. Right. So and um, so then that sort of money you take it to sales agents, what you call sales agents, and sales agents get pre-sales. So when they go to the Cannes Films Festival, they they can do a pre-sale to different territories around the world and bring in a budget. You know, mm-hmm. especially in bigger movies and a bigger movie. Say you say you want to make a, a fifty million dollar movie, right? Um, and if you go to the festivals and you say, "I've got George Clooney that really likes the script, but you don't have any money," you know. So if you try and get a pre-sale um, to, you know, George Clooney's, say, big in America, he's big in, say, Germany, he's big in... So all these territories bring in the pre-sales that adds up to $50 million, and that's the budget to make the movie, and then that movie's delivered to all these distributors, you know. So you pre-sell movies that way. It becomes um, That's how you do it with bigger movies. It's the same way with smaller movies and bigger movies, really. But the industry's changed so much over the years because you're really selling movies to like Amazon and Netflix. Years ago, it used to be theatrical release. You're selling to all these different territories, but you're really looking for that big Netflix deal really or Amazon or Disney or 
Apple TV, with the bigger movies. Um, you know, I've got my movies on those platforms, but they don't promote those movies because there's no stars in them. Mm. So if you get a star on board, then Apple TV and Netflix is going to promote it big, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because it's the marketing money that costs. You can make a movie for $25 million, but it's also $25 million to market a movie. You know. Well, that's what it sounds like just even what you were walking through the process. It sounds like all of the pre-work that you're doing before you even sit down and start filming the story itself, you're doing all of this oh, yeah. marketing. I mean, well, movies I've made over the last few years are very, very, very small films, right? Very small films. But the reason I've done them is because when I made my first movie, I really hustled it. You know, I didn't know what cameraman did. I didn't know right. what the light people did. I didn't know. I just hustled it. I directed it and I wrote the script. But then I discovered as the years went on, I'm going to learn every part of the process so that when I do get a budget one day, I know everybody's job and I can respect their jobs and I can delegate, but I want to know every job. So I think you have to know, Christopher Nolan talks about this. Christopher Nolan made corporate videos before he made those big movies and he knew everybody's job. He knew the light and he knew the sound. He did that himself at first. That's the mistake that I made. Robert Rodriguez made a movie for $7,000. He's one of the biggest filmmakers in the world, same as Christopher Nolan. But they made their movies from the very start with no money. I made my movie with a budget and I didn't really know how to make a movie. So I had to go back <laughs> the way and learn how to make movies. So that's what I've been doing the last 12 years and I do have a script that's $30 million that I'm trying to get some names on board. Nice. Um, and that's, it's actually, to be honest, it's very hard to get money for movies, right? But it's easier to get $30 million than it is to get a million dollars. Oh, sure. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Because if you spend a million dollars, right, then you go, right, oh, who's in it? You're not going to get a huge name in it, right. names in it for a million dollars, right? Right, right? And they're not going to spend $25 million marketing it if you've not got big names in it. So for $25 million for a production budget, then you can get Jerry Butler, you can get a bunch of names in there, famous faces, international. Then they're going to put $25 million to market it. Right. So it's too right. risky to give you a million. It's less risky to give you 25 or 50 yeah. or 100. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. No, you've got to have a big price tag because then they think you've yeah. got a big idea, right? And so, so, so that's why I go from nothing. Yeah. I go from making my movies for nothing, trying to get movies out in the 25, 40 million range. Sure. You know, sure. I go well, from the cl complete opposite, you know. Yeah. Well, now you've got the experience behind you, right? Now you know. Yeah, all I understand, the, all I understand the how the process works. I understand from conception, you come up with an idea to taking it to the platforms, I understand every single step of the way so that um, it's the same, whether it's a small movie or a big movie, I understand how the business works. So, but it's taken me all this time to learn that. So hopefully, you know, I'm 56 years old, but you know, Ridley Scott is still gone making movies at eight and Clint Eastwood yeah. is still, God knows why Clint is still gone. He's at 92 and he's still <laughs> gone, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, maybe I've got 20 years in me, so maybe I can catch up, you know? Hey, there you go. <laughs> So what do you yeah. think is the hardest part about making a movie? I mean, it's, you've got all of this marketing work that you're doing in front. I haven't even talked anything about really the process of shooting the movie. Yeah. What is the hardest part in your esteem at this point? The hardest part, again, is the finance. But before you even yeah. approach the finance, the hardest part is coming up with, with a script Apart from, I'm not, I'm not talking about the small movies I make. I'm talking about like I've got a script that I've developed over. It take me, it took me years to write. The hardest part is coming up with a great, great, great script, because you know yourself. You go to Netflix or Amazon. There's so many movies that are the same, and you go, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that superhero <laughs> movie. I've seen that. It's the same as everything else. 
the hardest part is coming up with something unique, but it isn't too unique that the studios um, think it's too quirky or too small. You have to come up with a concept. Like I've, I've come up with a concept. I'm not going to say what the movie is, but it's called The Vipers. And it's a, you know, seven guys and women on a mission movie. Mm-hmm. It's a different idea that hasn't been done before. And it's got potential franchise aspects to it. So you have to come up with something, the genre is similar, right? right? It's not too different because if you got, you know, but you have to come up with something fresh, a fresh angle, and you have to write a script and really work on a script and then present that script. Um, because there's so many bad movies made and you go, how did those movies get made? You know, yeah. they just get made because people attach some stars to them. I mean, if you go to the Cannes Film Festival, right? Everybody thinks the Cannes Film Festival was this prestigious thing where you see people walking up the carpet and all the awards. Right. But seeing the Cannes Film Festival, it's a buy and sellers market where they've got all these really, really terrible movies that sell that they make, right? And you see you see stars in them. You see Robert De Niro in them. But Robert De Niro's on the poster, but he's only in it for a day. He gets $3 million for the day, you know. <laughs> you know, And it's a terrible freaking movie, you know. Or Russell Crowe's in it for two days or something. So these bad movies get made because they can attach the stars and if they've got the, the budget, they can give the star, you know, and then they work out if the movie, if they can make the movie for 15 million, they've got a couple of stars for a few days in it, they stick them in front of the poster and the movie's shit, but the star doesn't care because it'll never really get seen that much, but it'll right. probably make his money back. Uh, so, you know, that's the way that the kind of movie business works, you know. I mean, I could have made I could have made a whole bunch of movies that are like three million, five million dollars if I went to Cannes Film Festival, made a lot of crap. Right. But it's not really what I wanted to do. I would rather be known that in the last years of my life, I've made a few, couple of good big movies that would go. That was really good. Right. You know, and a lot of little and build my own sort of online business DIY as well. Beside that, you know. Like Steven, Steven Soderbergh will make movies. He made Ocean's Eleven, but right. he also makes movies on iPhones. You know, you know. It's, you so it's trying to get a business hat where you're making, you're making work to fulfill your creativity, but you're also trying to make work and build a business to make money as well. You yeah. know, so you can keep funding yourself. You know, and grow. Right. You know? So you've got this big project. So now I begin to wonder. Um, you know, kind of relating it again back to just a normal small business. <laughs> um, are you out kind of pitching the idea, the product, so to speak? So you've got this idea for this great big movie, potential franchising, you know, so give it some legs, some real life. Are you, is, is that the approach selling the idea or are you exercising kind of connections maybe that you have in the industry now? In well, order to I position, think it's, or? as I've been coming up with these ideas, with these scripts, right? I've spent my time over the years keep making stuff because when you approach producers, if you say you've got an idea or a good script, they can look online today. And if you haven't made anything at all in years, they don't want to invest in people like that. They want to invest in doers. So even if it's if you've been making small movies, they still see that you're doing and you're driven and you're entrepreneurial. So you've got more chance of your script getting read, your bigger script. So my main thing as well is that for me, that in a way trying to get a big movie made is like winning the lottery. You know, it's not quite as, the odds are not quite as big as that, but it's still like that. So you don't sit and wait for the phone to come back after you've sent your scripts away. So for me, it's always about building your own creative business online as well. And if that doesn't happen, especially on the internet today, you know, um, look at people on the internet and look at YouTubers that are building their audience. You know, I don't want to look back in 10 years time and say, oh, I wish I'd 
done films online and built audience. I want to do both. Do you know what I mean? So that if I don't get those big movies, I'm building my audience because when you build your audience, you've got more creative control as well. You've got more control of your work. You've got more creative freedom, which is actually probably more fun. I would rather have a niche audience that you can always make stuff and make your work than have a movie once in a while. Do you know what I mean? And and hey, you can make a movie, a big movie for the industry. And if it, if it bombs, you go to director's jail for 10 years, you know I mean? Uh, whereas if you've got an audience online and you make something, you go, oh, that was good, that wasn't good, whatever. They'll still stick with you if they believe in the person. Because people, I think online people buy into people. They invest in people, they invest their time into people rather than the project itself. And that's what I've learned over the internet for years. You know yourself, Randy, you know, yeah. people follow you online because they kind of buy into the person, the brand. And right. It's not necessarily the project or the always, you know, you know. <clears throat> yeah. So I, th- I think that goes for anything, you know. I think that's an interesting concept, especially build your audience and then you have more control. I, yeah. I think yeah. that is absolutely spot on, actually. I'll be honest, that's my ultimate goal because yeah. if I got a deal for a big movie, Big movie aspect is just to raise my profile as well, that I can bring an audience direct to me. Right. You know, that is really the main goal. It's not to say, oh, I've got a big movie made because I know that can last five minutes. You're only as good as the big movie you've made. But if you can build that, bring that audience towards you and they see you're making different, fresh stuff, even if it's smaller, they're more, and that's the way the world is today. Look at some YouTubers, Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast just turned in a billion dollars right. for his YouTube channel. You know, he's got, he's got 100 million YouTube subscribers. Yeah. He's just been making videos on a phone 10 years ago, and he makes all these YouTube videos, and he just turned in a billion dollars because it's worth between 10 and $20 billion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That just is... making video content. Yeah. He's doing exactly what he wants to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The difference with YouTubers is YouTubers can make content on a phone at the start. Filmmakers have to cast people, get a little crew, get locations. It takes It takes more time and a bit more money, you know. But you have to get inventive with it, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, like any other business, really, you have to, and as today, it's like you have to, you know, have a, you have to have a vision for the future, mm. but online, you know, mm. you know. <clears throat> so I want to step back to that early project you did, Pasty Face. Is that right? Is that oh, the-, the title is bloody awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, what I is can't that even see it. Yeah. So what happened with that project? So you went out, you raised three hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars or pounds. Yeah. You create. You ended with a project, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You went to the cinema, went to t- television. It was okay, and um, it made money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then what happened and, after that? How you know the 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 David Wilde role? How how come you know you're not doing the Marvels movie? I went, to complete, I, went to complete, I went complete meltdown. I went. I oh. went. Uh, <laughs> I went full retard, as it says, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> no, what, what happened with that movie was, when you're making a movie, um, that time there was so many people involved with it, so many producers involved with it, which you expect a lot of producers to be involved with a movie that cost $50 million. But there was a lot of producers involved with it, a lot of people. With, I'm shooting in America, and then I would, con- I would have to have a conference call about a scene that I wasn't. they wanted to change or this way or that. So I had no creative control over it. And I was very green as well. So it was turning into the movie that I never wrote, you know. So I was shooting the movie and I was hating it. I released the movie, it got released, and I hated it. But I still promoted it. I promoted <laughs> it in national television. I went to the cinema, went to DVD. There was a lot of copies in the stores. I hated it. It wasn't a great movie. So I basically kind of destroyed myself for years, even though I got other offers. I kind of, I get so, I let it get to me so much. What I should have done was like, 
I've never made a movie before. Right. I've not been to film school, but I managed to make a movie. I pulled it in and made money. That's a success. Because if you say that in Hollywood, as Hollywood says, Hollywood make movies that are terrible all the time, you know, but they make money. Right. Um, if you made money on a movie, that's a success. Doesn't matter if the movie's shit, as long as it makes money, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, you make a you make a better movie the next one, you know. So I kind of crucified myself too much over it, over it, and I disappeared for like eight years. I never get any movies again. Um, and it wasn't until the technology started to come in with cameras, as we know, with the internet and all the tech. And I went, wait right. a minute, I can, because I met Robert Rodriguez on a TV show and I was talking to him and he made his first movie for $7,000 so he could completely control it. And that's how he built a career. And the same as Christopher Nolan, that right. makes $200 million movies. His first movie cost $7,000 mm. so they could control it. I get no control. So it, I just wanted to start again. You know, I wanted to write, direct, produce, edit, we control everything, distribution. And, and then if I come back to bigger movies one day, at least much more experienced and much more, you know, I could be I could be in a room full of executives and I could say, yeah, they need to do this. And it's, a, it's, it's a business that's making money, of course, but I could handle it much better, you know. Uh, and, and of course, over the last 20 years, the music and everything, everything's changed technology-wise, you know. It's, you know... It's a, it's a, everything's changed. So to make money on movies is difficult. To make money on music is difficult. So mm. you've got to go entrepreneurial in many different ways, you know. Is there, in today's world, thinking about positioning yourself, right? So in small businesses, whether you have a product that you're selling, you've created something, you're selling it, you're, or it's a service, you're also always trying to find your angle, right? What differentiates yeah. you from the next guy around the block? Is there in the creative industry, in what is it, is it possible, I guess, to kind of do that? Can you, can you create a disruption? Can you create something that's so different from some of the stuff that's been out there? I mean, the movie and the <laughs> creative TV industry, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know how many, you know, gangster movies you can do, right? They all yeah. have the same kind of concept. Now, the yeah, technology yeah, yeah. and the way you deliver it, you know, with technology in today's world, you know, uh, filming on your phone or delivering it through YouTube or other channels, that may always change a little bit. But, you know, in this creative industry like this, can you really, what can you do different? I think the first thing that you have to do as well, when I say the words George Lucas or Quentin Tarantino or Woody Allen or David yeah. Lynch or Spielberg, what do you think when when I say those words, those people have branded themselves. Yeah, you know, you yeah. think a certain type of movie, right? So if you go along for years and years and years and become a filmmaker, and there's many filmmakers that make TV serials and film an episode, big, big TV serials, but you'll never know their name as directors. You know, you'll never know who they are. You know, they make a living. But I think if you want to build your own audience online, you need to start branding your name. You need to be entrepreneurial. People need to know that name. They need to know what they're going to get. And when it comes to making movies, you need to see things that you haven't seen before, but you need to see things in a different way. Mm. You need to give them value. Like any other business, if you've got a business, when you've got a business, you've got a solution for a problem. Right. That's why somebody, whether whether you're a plumber, somebody needs a plumber, well, you've and and art, it's not really, you're not really solving a problem. But people still need art in their life. They still need music, movies, you know, they still love that. You know, it's part of everyday life when they go home, they stick on Netflix. So I think you've got to brand yourself so that you become a name, so that when you become entrepreneurial, even if you're making movies and you say, I'm going to make a movie in Las Vegas, do you know what? I'm going to have an event in Las Vegas. 
People can come to that event. My fans can come to the event. They can be in the movie. Stuff like that. You make it fun for people. They can come to the they can come to the premiere if it's a crime movie. They can dress up in crime characters. You just have to be inventive with stuff as well. You know, like I've got a series planning making. Uh, probably start next year called Mad World, and it's an anthology series with thirty-minute movies, like horror movies and stuff. And it probably won't get an Amazon because it's too extreme. You know, it's not like the type of thing you would normally see. You know, um, you can break the rules with things, but that's right. the beauty of the internet today. Yeah. You can do things differently. But most people are not trying to do things differently. They're trying to make small versions of what the big studios do. If you try to do what the studios do, you'll fail because they do it bigger and better. You know. So you have to find something small and different people haven't seen before. I go, I haven't seen that. That's 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 crazy shit. That it's yeah. it's almost like underground. But actually, if you create niche, niche can be big. I mean, Apple was niche when it started. Do you know what I mean? Right. You know. Right. You know, it's amazing that you, you know, say this stuff though about like even in your your next project, the Mad Worlds, because you know between Amazon and Netflix and HBO and Showtime, I mean, all of those networks i mean they're all into this competition for content and they're putting billions of dollars into uncovering developing distributing original content and some of the stuff that's on these channels i look at i'm like wow that is the most bizarre i can't believe they put a you know 10 episode series around that yeah that is crazy so when you're talking about your mad worlds i don't know i mean unless it's way crazy i think you probably got a shot to put it out there somewhere well, i think what i try to do is i make things for no money right and um, but what i try to do is come up with concepts that if i make them that producers could spot them and go that could be turned into a bigger movie or a bigger series you know it's like my crime series yeah. it's no money it's no names and it. it's very small right but the actual concept of somebody that writes as a criminal, but he also writes crime novels, but he's trying to get legit with crime novels, yeah. but he's getting drawn back into this crime world. And then as he becomes a big crime lord, the novels become a success and he can't get... I think the the, the concept, and I've had a few people approaching me, could be bigger. And the yeah. same as I'd done a horror movie. I'd done a horror movie in Oklahoma, um, and I've had some people interested in that because of the concept was original. So if you can create original concepts like the Mad World series I've got and you make it yourself, then you can take that to producers and they can say, right, we can buy the, can we buy the rights to that to make the bigger version? Right. So, and that's what I tried to do over the last few years as well when I make small movies, at least I'll own them 100%. My first movie, I didn't own it, you know, which I don't care about because I hated the movie anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so I think when you try to own your own IP, your intellectual property, which is, you know, the way that the world's going with NFTs as well, I don't know if you've had a, you know, it's still early days for NFTs, yeah, yeah. you know, you know. I'm going to get into uh, it. I'm going to ask you about your NFT stuff. So don't, don't, don't spill the beans yet on no, that. No, but, no, no. Uh, yeah, I think it's very interesting. My wife and I, we just finished watching, uh, I can't remember what platform it was on, but Stranger Things. Are yeah. you familiar with that series? There's some weird I, shit in that series. That is like crazy stuff. And I'm there's a part of me is that as the seasons kept rolling, I'm like, this is getting weirder and weirder as it goes. I can't even believe I'm watching this, let alone that it's been created that way and that it's so hugely popular. This is why I think, yes, all of this horror and crime stuff is I don't know, it's a massive genre right now. And so if you've got a kind of a, a new way or a new angle to 
presented to created i think you probably have got well i think yeah the movie business changed over the years the movie business in the 1990s and 1970s embraced independent films where that's where quentin tarantino came along with reservoir right. dogs and yeah, other yeah. smaller movies and cuckoo's nest in the 70s and easy rider and um, but after the 90s the blockbuster started to take over and then those superhero movies and before you yeah. know it, it was event movies it was theme parks you know right um so there was an audience that weren't getting fed. They were only getting those movies. But when streaming kicked in and Netflix and Amazon, that was an opportunity to make more interesting serials and films. And that's why, because there's a whole market that hasn't been catered for. So that's where the streaming companies cater for those market. And the big blockbusters are kept for people that want to go and see the big theme park movies, you know. Right, right. So, you know. <clears throat> that is interesting stuff. All right. So I kind of led into, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of your current projects that you're doing. But David, before we get yeah. into that, do you like baseball? I, n- I don't share the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's all right. It's all right. Well, Scotland. Well, it's it's that Wait, time. I can try something. There you go. All right. <laughs> and it's time for the seventh inning stretch. Well, we have this thing here, David. We call the seventh inning stretch. And uh, okay. I get to ask you a little bit about baseball. And I know, and I know for my, my other friends from Scotland and the UK, you know, these, you guys don't know jack about baseball. <laughs> no. Well, and you just told me that some people tune in just to listen to the baseball and go, that's, that's me fucked up the show. <laughs> All right. So, but, but my, my wonderful team though, the, that uh, does the prep on the shows, they come up with some very good questions that are very related to your niche and, and your background. So, okay, okay. So, the, so the question today is going to evolve around baseball movies. All right. Baseball movies. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, yeah there we yeah. go. So, you know, baseball is thought of as America's favorite pastime. The And there's something like 100. Well, this is according to IMDb, 173 movies about the game of baseball and there's all kinds of movies out there yeah. and they, they go and they look at this thing in a lot of different ways. People rank, you know, what, are, what are the best baseball movies of all time? All of this kind of stuff. And you know, there's major league field of dreams, Moneyball. I just watched that one actually yeah. not too yeah. long ago again, but there's two movies that seem to go back and forth. This isn't your question, but I'm just going to throw this out because people are always kind of curious. Thank Chris for that. Two, yeah. two, two movies. Yeah. Two <laughs> movies that always are like right at the top. They're either number one or number two. One of which is Bull Durham came out in 1988. Right. right? So Kevin you get, Costner. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Costner. You get uh, Tim Robbins, Susan Sarandon yeah. and, and that, right. Some, some good stuff. Yeah. And then the, the other one that's ranked right there, either in front or right behind Bull Durham is the natural with uh, Robert, Robert Redford, Redford. That, yep. yeah. and clothes, yeah. Kim yeah. Basinger. Yeah. Yeah. That came out in 84. So right. here's your question, David, are you ready right. for this? <laughs> What was the first baseball film? Do you have an idea on the year or, you know, you get, you'll get double hits here. If you can even get the, the title, no, no Google it. Anything if I can see the cast. No. <laughs> yeah. oh, I doubt it. I really doubt no. <laughs> the cast. Is not gonna I mean, do it. The only thing I can think of, and my head is going to a black and white movie. 
Is that big Castillo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure like the who's on first or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that whole standby. No, it no, is. I'm certain it's in black and white. It's probably been put off into color at some point. But in 1915, yeah. a movie called Right Off the Bat, and that is recognized right. as being baseball's first. Uh, Who, did it have a star film. in it? And had no star. And actually, at that time, when they were making movies, they actually used real baseball players. And this right. and this right. starred player called john mcgraw or mugsy mcgraw and he played himself in the movie and and actually was in about a dozen movies after that (laughs) Uh, all right right playing baseball players so there you go right that that's it 1915 right off the bat 1915 oh well there you go and we're still talking about it today david so see and we'll be talking yeah, about Pasty Face up, you know? for a long time. <laughs> I, ho- I ho- hope nobody's talking about Pasty Face. <laughs> I want to I I buy that one day so I can bury it. Oh. <laughs> Got to get it. All right, let's get back into it. Play ball. So speaking of Pasty Face, can I watch this somewhere? Can I pull it up on YouTube? No, Is, where can I? No, there's so many producers involved with it, right? Um, and they owned the rights to it. And they owned everything to it. So I really kind of... I, I disowned it. That isn't even on streaming. You know, you can buy it on DVD, online, and Amazon and places like that. Um, you know, it made its money back. It made some money, but um, it isn't even on streaming because I don't own it. Distribution company owns it, and I don't give a shit. I'm glad it isn't on streaming. <laughs> that is the only good thing I like. You know, uh, <laughs> I love your attitude about it. It's like, listen, it is so bad. I hated it. <laughs> I don't really yeah, care yeah. if you watch it or not. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Look, look, you can make a movie. Look, the movies that I've made lately are not great movies, okay? There may be a few thousand dollars, but at least, and they're not great, but it's sort of like I'm, I, made, I made a movie in America, you know, called Screen, and it was about a bunch of kids at Halloween, and the FBI find them dead in front of a drive in movie screen, and whatever's <laughs> killed them, whatever they've seen on the screen has killed them. Oh. So you go back 24 hours before the party to try and find out what they saw on the screen. So I try to, I quite like the concepts, you know. Yeah. I don't mind some concepts. So I go, if I like a movie I've made for a few thousand dollars, go, I did the best that I had with a few thousand dollars. So then I don't give myself a hard time, you know. Right. But in that movie, I had $350,000 and it's a stinking pile of shit, <laughs> you know. Um, there is no I, excuse, right? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, how many Hollywood movies have you seen at $50 million that is a steaming pile of shit? Like, yes, uh, yes. You know, there's a lot of bad movies. So, yes. I, you know, it's gone. I let it go. I've learned from it. You know, I've moved on. You know, I write better scripts today, you know, and um, I'm more in control of my stuff today. So I don't cry too much about it, but I'm glad that nobody can fucking see it. You know? Oh, that's good. <laughs> and it's funny that you even say that. My son went to go see this movie, The the Rock's latest movie. And uh, he came back from the theater. I'm like, oh, how was it? I was thinking I wanted to go see it. He's like, oh, dad, don't. It is the worst. It is I mean, yeah. All the time. And, yeah, and then yeah. we were talking yesterday and he's like we were listening to the news and they were saying something about how much over the weekend that movie brought in and my son's like i can't believe that that thing is so bad why would anybody go see that <laughs> don't they know yeah that? yeah that happens all the time you know and if something's got a sequel and a prequel it's just the same audience that go yeah. back because of that you know? all right and, you know. so so you've produced a bunch of fun stuff and 
going to roll through and I'm going to see if our audience can kind of connect the dots here. So you've got Pasty Faces, which was about, I the don't know, first film, kind, yeah, of, kind yeah. of crime uh, of some sort, right? Some- yeah, I mean, a, a few actors went to America, went to Hollywood to try and make it in Hollywood and ended up robbing a casino in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a little yeah. gangster stuff. Yeah. Then you got the yeah. Mission X. You got Mission Clo- X. Claude cold-blooded killers you've got yeah screen as you mentioned yeah. tall girl which you know that yeah. says itself uh, and then yeah. you jumped into the tv series crime lord and i want to talk yeah. about that a little bit so you've got this kind of theme it seems the genre that you do like is kind of this gangsterish crime some heavy dark world dark side of humanity a little bit maybe right is that is that your your main interest i don't think yeah i'm going to take a u-turn on that soon but i don't think it's so much uh, gangsters it's more to do with crime and you know when we when we say the word crime today we think we think of gangsters we think when i say crime i think i think you open the newspaper and you see you know you know you know a husband has just killed his wife and took her head off and wore it as a hat or something. The world is as insane. The world is absolutely, you can open the newspapers each day and it's absolutely insane with crime. Yeah. Yeah. Go- you know, where governments commit crime every day. Do you know what I mean? So for me, the crime genre is a very universal genre. It's a very wide, broad, uh, you know, you see movies with serial killers and stuff. I'm more into crime, which I want to do in the future in horror rather than gangster stuff as such. I want to move away, you know, from kind of gangster, more crime and more, more about his human conditioning and how we're all, people are off their heads, really. Do you know right, what I mean? More to right. do with that, the psychic. Because my world is pretty insane. It's always been insane since we were born, isn't it? I mean, we, you know, people go, the world's getting worse, but I think it's just because we see it more, because right. we're all connected online. We see everything, you know. Right, right. So you know, our paths crossed around your crime lord. Crime, yeah, uh, yeah. Because you've got a part in it. You were really good. thanks for mentioning yeah so i do have a i can't i'm in season two the very last episode i think of season two and yeah yeah yeah. which was turned into a feature length because they condense it so uh yeah you're playing a hitman yeah you know that's going to do a job um and it's funny when i got the footage through sometimes because you know when stuff like that comes through you don't know what you're going to get because you know, you know any acting or whatever, but so weird. So many times that when I make my films, I cast actors, but I also cast non-actors. Right. And the reason being as well, that when actors, a lot of them go to drama school, they're taught how to act. They're taught a certain style. But when people are not actors, they don't know a certain style. They don't really stick to the rules. So they break the rules. They just do their thing. And sometimes that's more interesting. Yeah. Because actors sometimes act, you know, and when I saw you and a couple of guys coming through and like that, I hope it can just be natural. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and honestly, when I saw your thing coming through, I went, bang, that's it. That's it. That's all he needs to do. That's all he needs to do. It looks like the guy. He sounds like the guy. Quite clinical. And, you know, a hitman would be clinical. He wouldn't be emotional. Be like, he's, he's not getting any vengeance in him because he's not after, he's just after, he's just going to do a job for money. It's very clinical. <laughs> and that's all I needed. It was great, you know. Um, well, that was, so, it was fun. It was fun to be able to see, pick I did, did do Randy. I gave you a plug in the movie so that all your audience are going to watch the fucking yeah, thing. Yes, there you go. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think they can. I'm waiting for it to come out on either Apple or 
Amazon here in the states. I'm I'm not sure if it's a hit here. It's it's okay. It's on it's in the states on Amazon, and it's on it's in Apple TV in 87 territories. Okay, so it's in the states. It's in the UK. It's across the world. So it's on Apple TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I know we've watched the first season of Crime Lord on Amazon. I think is where we've seen it. Is season two out on Amazon now? See, yeah, season two. Season two is. Which is the one that you run? Right. Basically, turned into feature length. Oh, okay. Um, because I I was about two or three episodes short, but my aggregator, my distributor, says, "Look, David, I'll actually get more of an audience if it's a feature length, and you can still call it a season." Got you it. know. So I said, "Okay, I'll just turn into a feature, and then it's a, it's you know it's it's you know it's over an hour and a half long. It's nearly two hours, so it's a good size feature." Oh, there you so go. So season season two is on Amazon now in the US and Apple TV and it's also gonna it's also gonna be on Hulu as well and about forty other platforms, you know. Oh nice. All right. Well I'll I'll do a so, watch party at my house and with all of my friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, Again it's it, it. probably have to put the subtitles yeah. on. You know, yes, <laughs> sure. yeah, because we'll be sitting around like my son. I can't understand. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you went from that project. Now you're going to turn this, what I understand as well, into a novel. This is the the novel that's coming out here at some point this year or early next year. Well, is crime? I've just had another project coming up that completely unexpected. That I'm going to collaborate with somebody, so that's took a bit of my time, which I can talk about in a second. Yeah. But the novel, the, the real reason for the novel was. It's like I said before, I think the concept I had about a crime writing criminal is a good concept. Mm. But when you don't have the budget to execute it the best way for the full vision that you have, when you create a novel, you don't have a budget limitation with a novel. If, you're, if, you, if your movie was going to cost $30 million, then your novel can be the $30 million story, you know. So you can write the way that you originally envisaged it, you know. And the novel is actually set in America for many reasons. The characters in American rather than in the UK for many reasons. So it's loosely based on that, but the concept is the same, you know. So that'll tell the real sort of story that I had in my mind originally. I love it. I love it. Well, and I love I love that genre. That's kind of my entertainment reading is kind of crime novels and yeah, detective yeah, novel yeah. kind of things. So yeah, so okay. Well, that's so if the first fun. novel took off, then there's another novel that could go on, you know, um, because he builds a criminal empire. So I can, yeah. you can tell the real story in there. And look, movies are made because of novels. Back to Hollywood, right. Hollywood makes most movies because of comics and novels and toys. Right. So if the novel done well one day, you know, then they pick up the rights for that. You yeah, know? yeah, no kidding. You look at like Jack Reacher, you know, the, the, the yeah. novels. That, Harry Potter. Yeah, 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 all that's of why those, movies yeah. are made because of the novels, yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah. you're starting, you alluded to this new project. I'm guessing is this Lincoln Townley documentary. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, I've got, I'm going side by side with my, my own series, but um, I connected with this artist online a few earlier this year. Um, and I actually asked him, I was doing a little podcast, um, so I had an actor on, I had a filmmaker on, and I wanted an artist on the podcast, I invited him on mm. the podcast, but he reached out to me and said that he wanted to do a film about his life over the last 10 years, would I be interested, and I was completely, you know, of course I'd be interested, I looked what he's, at first I wasn't too sure much about him, but I looked at his backstory, and his story is incredible. I mean, when a filmmaker gets access to a story, everything's about having a great script or a great story. Right. What the man's done in the last 10 years is pretty amazing. Um, he started off, he was a manager of a strip club in London in Soho, a famous <laughs> strip club. And 
And he got caught up in drugs and women and he became a coke addict. Um, he almost died. Um, he met this actress who's a famous actress in UK television. They got together, they got sober and she's seen some of his art and she couldn't believe, she thought it was like Francis Bacon or like Picasso or something. And he didn't know that's mine. Yeah. So to put a long story short, he, he started to make his art, take the galleries. He got turned down by a hundred galleries and then he put on his own show and it sold out. Cut a long story short, Michael Caine discovered his art. Michael Caine bought his art, championed him. Uh, he promoted him. Before before long, he was getting commissions for Al Pacino, DiCaprio, De Niro, um, uh, Harry Dean Stanton, mm. you know, Nick Nolte. Mm-hmm. He's done art for almost every star in the world, you know. So he's exploded and he sells his artwork. He just sold some artwork there for three million, three million pounds for wow. six pieces. Wow. And he's he made 20 million during the pandemic. So he's incredibly successful and he's a different artist because he's Michael Caine calls him the next Andy Warhol because he's making his art, he's making money and he's building a brand and he's and he's disrupting the galleries. Um, None of the big galleries come to him, but he sells it before he's what goes to the galleries, you know. So it's an incredible story, you know, and he's he's been shooting the footage. Him and his, student, his team has been shooting the footage. When he started in his garage 10 years ago, he started painting his garage and they've been shooting footage for 10 years. Yeah. But they don't know how to pull it together as a story and as a movie and as a film, you know. And um, they've just been shooting the footage. So he's came to me and it's, uh, I met him in London a couple of weeks ago. Wanted to see one of his shows with a breakfast. Um, it's gone well. So it looks like I'm going to be doing that, which is an amazing, amazing opportunity, you know, because yeah. whether I'm making fiction movies or documentary, I'm still telling a story about an, an amazing character, you know, um, and a story. So, yeah. Well, That's this guy focus. sounds like an incredible, you had me already at the start, you know, he managed a strip club in London. I'm like, really? What's this guy? <laughs> you know, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah what yeah, an amazing yeah. story. I yeah, really looking forward to that. So in a project like this, do you start, are you involved then in writing the screenplay, you know, to get it, to pull well, it together? Or does he have something already kind of outlined? Yeah, in a documentary, you don't so much do a screenplay. I mean, I watched interviews with Michael Moore and Alex Gibney. Alex Gibney is one of the biggest Oscar winning documentary filmmakers mm. there. And they were talking, you don't really do a screenplay because if you've got the story, you get the basics of the story. They've been shooting all the footage of his journey over for the last 10 years. So the, the story is there. The great story is already there. The footage of each step of the journey is there. So basically it's orchestrating it all together to turn it into a three-act sort of story. So it's got a structure to it, you know. So once you got all the footage, you put it in the timeline, you start finding this. The story is there. You just find the structure. You tell the story, you know, starting it off probably where painting his garage and then you're seeing, you know, you give the audience a little teaser to what's coming 10 years ahead, which is one of the biggest artists in the world in the space of 10 years. Mm. In fact, it was probably seven years, which is amazing. Because yeah. most artists, 95% artists don't make a living at all from art. This guy has made, you know, more than anybody can make in their lifetime in the last few years. So it's an incredible story. And it's not just a story about art, it's a story about most bands, most musicians, most filmmakers, most act don't make a great living from their creativity. He's shown a way to make a living for your creativity, been taking control. He's, he's created his own virtual galleries as well, where people actually don't need to go to the galleries in London. They can go to the virtual gallery online and they can see the paintings on the wall. So he's always collectors. He's always collectors buy from all over the world. He's done work for the, the Kennedys, the Kennedy family, he's done mm. commissions for them. 
So it's just an incredible story. Yeah, do you know what yeah. I mean? And, and it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity for me. So that is, that, you know, um, it's an exciting story. Um, so at the moment, I'm involved just bringing the structure of that together, you know, and he wants it out next year because it's his, his 10-year anniversary next year. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, so, so not only a great story about success in the creative world and what he's doing, but it sounds yeah. as well, and I'm curious as this comes together, that also it sounds like a great story of just of him overcoming his own personal demons coming his addictions and his alcohol yeah yeah yeah, the recovery of that which is always an inspiring story that alone alone is a story you know never mind building being one of the biggest artists in the world you know so so yeah that's probably my biggest opportunity from Hmm. a very i mean so i couldn't ignore that so it's like so we're working working at the moment you know and then of course side by side you know that's why i've moved forward my novel and I've moved forward the mad world a little bit until next year. But you know, when I've got a few days off each month, I can, so, you know, we're still working at the moment, but it's, right. it's gone well, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Well, so. I like, and I'm going to relate this back to any kind of small business or any business. You're always looking for that next opportunity that you can bring to market. And I think in your particular world, that is very much the case. You're always looking for that next creative opportunity that next creative idea and and uh well yeah and concept that you could bring forward i think you're talking in this podcast at the moment right the only reason right. i connected with this guy was is because i was starting to do a little video podcast to talk to actors and filmmakers mm. and actually if i hadn't started that podcast i wouldn't connected with this guy because right. I, act- I actually asked him on the podcast he couldn't make the podcast but then he came in with this opportunity for me so that's how we connected so the more you put yourself out there the more whatever you do and if you're sharing what you do and you're sharing right. your passion and your energy, people see that. So, you know, it's, you know yourself, Randy, this world has changed. This world is about building, well, look, building business relationships is always about relationships, whether it's online, offline, both, you know. So I think the more that we put ourselves out there in podcasts and videos and social media, even though we all rant about social media and how bad it can be, I think it's an amazing opportunity, you know, to connect with people, you know, and you know, as we all know that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I want to be sure I also give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about another personal project, the mad world series. Yeah. What, what is that exactly? How give us the, well, the, I wanted, the rundown. When you're making a series, like I did crime Lord, you've got the same story, the same characters that you're doing and you're kind of, you can get caught up with that. You know, if you want to do something fresh, like an anthology, like, you know, The Twilight Zone was an anthology, you know, um, where it's 30 minute stories, they're all different, they're all different characters. So for me, Mad World is basically all sorts of stories, horror, crime, um, 30 minutes long, different characters. And when I look at the world every day and how bloody insane it is, then I I used to scribble things down for the idea for a story. That's a, that's a film there. That's a film there. And I thought, I can't make 90 feature films for the rest of my life, but I can maybe make 90, 30-minute episodes over the next few years and different stories. And I like the idea that people can't put you into a box because if they see a horror movie, go, oh, he's a horror guy. And then I'll do something different. Oh, he's no, he's this guy. He's the, you know, I like the idea of, but you've still got to have a kind of continuity, the type of stories that you do. To me, we're all so insane. I just want to 
communicate that, not communicate it in a way where they hit me over the head with a message in a sort of entertaining way, if you know what I mean, you know. Um, so, yeah, I want to start that early next year. Um, and I've already got the episodes written, the first, you know, 10 episodes, 10 films, really, you know, I've got them written. So, uh, but I just want to build that as my online thing, you know. And mm. again, if I get noticed one day, then it could go bigger as well. Yeah. Just taking a different approach from the crime thing purely for, you know. Uh, but yeah, you know, and that'll be a mixture of actors and non-actors and um, it'll be shot in the UK, it can be shot in the US, it can be shot in France, different films, you know. So well, that's, that's, that's the idea. Cool. Like another great opportunity. So people can go to madworldseries.com. Go check that out for some more information. I understand the uh, site. Just yeah, there's a mail list there. If people want to yeah, find out yeah. more about it, there's a mail list to sign up for, you know. Yeah. All right. So, David, here we come. We're down to the bottom of the ninth. All right. And okay. This is where I get to ask all of our guests, what advice do you have for rookies in the game? Meaning those who are just starting out in business or those who already have their business and are looking for you know, some guidance, some words of wisdom from guys like you <laughs> that have been around and been, you know, scrapping away and putting an enterprise together and what kind of advice do you have for folks? I don't know if I've got words of wisdom. Wouldn't be, um, you know, map, but just trying to share stuff that I've learned. And I think the most important thing, whatever you want to do, make movies, sell products from a website, whatever, start a shop. I think, uh, I think you've got to be prepared to fail and and have joy in fail. But I don't mean failure when it's catastrophic that you're going to mortgage your home to start a business. Especially today, you can start a business today very small and start your business for your phone. Mm. I think it's important today, if you've got an idea for some idea for a business or if you want to turn your hobby into your business, then I think you should start it with the smallest budget as possible. And not to see if it works, to see if... Now, sometimes you start things in life and go, that isn't really me, but you don't know that until you've tried it. I think you should do things kind of fast and cheap and give it six months and you go, then you find out that isn't for me. Then, then you can burn off the things that you find isn't you, and that might take the path that is you. You know, I think you've got to be prepared to fall in love with the process of what you do and no think about a destination, which everybody does. I'm going to make this amount of money one day, whatever. Because if you don't fall in love with the process of something, I mean, there's an interview with Steve Jobs talks about that. You could have an idea for the next big thing that could be the next big billion dollar thing, right? But you'll never get there if you don't love the process because even if you somebody says, I've got the recipe, I make gold bars, right? If you don't have the energy and the love actually going that journey of the process, you're going to burn it before you get there. So whatever you do, enjoy it. Look, you look at the kids that start from their bedroom, they get in computers, and then they don't think about a career. They don't think about making it. They just enjoy playing with computers or playing games and they end up becoming gamers and make money. Like the guy I told you for YouTube, it's make, you know, could sell his channel right. for a billion dollars. He didn't do it. He didn't do it to make money. He just did it because he loved making videos. You know, I think people have got to fall in love with it, what they do. Try it. These things. Be prepared to fail. Look at all my movies that I've made. That movie was a failure. But it wasn't a failure because it made me realise what not to do the next time, you know, right. um, and to find your own way. So I think people just think too much about the destination today and don't fall in love with the process and have fun with what they're doing, you know. And then if you really have fun with what you do, right, you can sell you could sell anything to anybody because you 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 start marketing it, you start branding it, you live and breathe it. And, you know, I think that's the main thing. Think, forget about the destination. Forget about making the big bucks. 
if you can make a, a hum, put it this way, right? Most people, a, a lot of people hate their jobs, right? I think a lot of people that if they could find out that they could do something that they love doing, but they get half the money, a quarter of the money, but they're really happy. But over the years, you'll end up making more money than you would in a, a job that you hate. That's a much more enjoyable life. You know, because when you go to a job you don't like, you end up doing all the vices. You end up drinking too much. You go too many holidays. You get fat. You get you watch too much Netflix. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> you look for all these other things that you don't have from your, you know. So anyway, I'm fucking waffling here, Randy. <laughs> I love that. I love falling you know, in love with the process. I think that is. That, I think it's, is it's cool. an old thing. I mean, we all know it, but it's the same thing that a lot of people yeah. say. But at the same time, people still. I see them online. You make quick money, make a quick buck in this, make yeah, a quick yeah. buck in that. Use a short, there is no shortcuts. Right. You know, so if you're going to pick the long road, pick it, take the long road. It's something that's fun. It's like me making these small movies. A lot of the time they're bloody hard and they're, they're, <laughs> you get stressed out. Yeah. But I still love the process of doing yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? Uh -huh. And I learn something each time. And each time I learn how I know I can do it. This is a living pretty yeah. soon. You know, and I know that maybe in another five years' time, I can do it a living that I can never dream of. You know, so I think that's the key: just find and be prepared to enjoy failing, but right. don't again, don't mortgage your home into something. Right, right. I Especially today, when yeah. you can start a business with an iPhone. You know. Yeah, I think it's great advice. I think I uh, love your passion behind it, and I think really it is a true entrepreneurial kind of a spirit or anthem there, which is people you know, start businesses, they pursue and try to grow a business because they love it. It yeah, is what exactly. they love to do. Exactly. And that's it. Yeah. And if you, I mean, I, if you don't love it, you probably aren't really going to succeed at it. I mean, you do have to love the process, I think. Yeah. Or if you don't love it, you might make a lot of money, you might be really miserable and spend that money on right. doing shit that's not making you happy and <laughs> yeah. buying all this. Do you know what I mean? Many, there's, there's many rich people that are miserable, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I was talking to Craig Campbell, you know, Craig Campbell, SEO, yeah. people on here might know him. And Craig was talking about when he started his SEO, he was basically saying, I didn't know what I was doing. But I loved, I loved the process. I loved what I was doing, finding my way and husking it and hustling it. Yeah. And then I got into it and, you know, and he's really good at what he does now. So, yeah. I mean, it's that simple, really. But people always want to do the shortcut, don't they? You know? Yeah. Right. You know? Well, man, David, I, I appreciate you being on the show. So fun to talk with you and have you on. I'd love to get you on again at a point when uh, you have a couple of these other projects uh, out, you know, the, the Lincoln Townley project. I'd love to see that thing come around as well as the uh, the mad world so and i'll be looking for that crime lord novel because that is right up my yeah no i'll definitely be doing that you know um no thanks uh, randy i really appreciate it um, it's been great talking to you yeah uh, yeah and if and you, you ever need a, a bald-headed american you know character actor in something you know you know where to uh, to look me up here <laughs> well I can, I can see i can see you in mad world <laughs> so yeah if i do it if i do it whereabouts are you in the states yes where, where, whereabouts in the states are you oh i'm right in the midwest right in ohio right okay so if i'm close to ohio yeah you're there definitely you cast yeah yeah there we go <laughs> all right well listen david thank you so much and that's the ball game folks thanks for joining us today and if you liked our show Please tell your friends, subscribe, and review, and we'll see you around the ballpark. Running the Bases with Small Businesses is brought to you by 38 Digital Market, a digital marketing agency committed to client growth with lead generation, 
higher conversions, and increased sales. Connect with us today at 38digitalmarket.com.